All right, all you future podcasters out there, let me tell you about something you need to be aware of. I've been looking for different platforms to put my podcast into, and it's kind of confusing. There's a lot out there, a lot of them that charge you, but I found something that you need to hear. There's a platform called Anchor. Now, you need to understand, this one is free. There's no monthly fees, no yearly fees, no fees of any sort, no sign-up fees. It is free. Now, the best thing about it is that it's free and it comes with so many different tools. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, then one of the other neatest things is that Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. All you do is upload your podcast. Anchor handles all the rest. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. First podcast you put up, you can start making money. Now, it's everything you need to have in one place to make a podcast. So, pay attention to this part. It's very important. Go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M or download the free Anchor app to get started. to the first episode of the King James Version Bible Study. We're going to start off today in a book, the book of John, one of the four Gospels written in the, uh, that begins the New Testament. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the Synoptic Gospels. This is that they tell the story of Christ and the good news in a cohesive manner. John is kind of separated from those four for various reasons. But we're going to look at John. Uh, John is very interesting in many accounts, and we'll get into that kind of as we get started today. First off, I'm going to start off with our scripture reading. If If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to use it. Whatever platform that you're using for that, whether it be a written copy or your phone or one on your computer, just pull up the book of John. We're going to start in chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to read through verse 5. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's take a moment in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We're so encouraged that we get to spend some time looking into your word Um, Every time you open your Bible, Lord, we learn more about you. We learn how much you love us. We learn the attributes that you have. 
and we grow closer to you through this study. Lord, I pray for everyone that's listening to this that they may glean some uh, bit of information that, again, grows them closer to you. If they're Christian, that they that they become to where they can walk closer to you, serve you more, Lord. If there's somebody out there listening to this podcast that isn't saved, Lord, I ask that you work in their heart, soften their heart, tell them the truth that they need to respond to, and I pray that they respond before it's everlasting too late, Lord. We pray in your uh, Holy Son's name. Amen. Okay, so who wrote John? Well, it probably is obvious. John wrote John. Now, which John is it? There are multiple Johns in Scripture. It's a common name. But John, the one who wrote John uh, that most people believe, would be John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee. Well, John was one of the first disciples of Jesus. As we continue through the chronological story here, you're going to see John early in the narrative being called by Jesus. So John is called the beloved disciple because he seems to have been especially close to Christ. You know, this could have been for various reasons, but uh, there was something about John that piqued the Lord's interest, and they were very, very close. You know, maybe it was part of the fact that he was the first cult. You know, I have uh, multiple children, I have multiple grandchildren, and there is something special. I love them all. We're all close, but there's always something special about that first one, isn't there? So Christ was uh, called John first to be his disciple. Maybe there was just a closer relationship there. John was the disciple to whom Jesus committed the care of his mother on the cross. He looked at John and instructed him to take care of his mom. So you get a picture there of really how much John meant to Jesus. John is said by Paul to be one of the three pillars of the church. So not only did did John mean a lot to Christ, John's reputation uh, meant a lot to the, how would would we put it, the cause of Christianity, if you will. So again, the author is John, but the book was probably written around AD 80 to 95. So who is John written to? Well, it's written to many people, but first off, let's acknowledge and make the main point that John is written to the lost, those that don't know who Christ is, those that don't even acknowledge his deity. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have ever lasting life whosoever believed in him many will uh, teach the doctrine of election teach the doctrine of election well this verse right here in my opinion puts down that doctrine of election whosoever well if all of the the believers that are going to know God are divinely elected at some prior point, well then whosoever becomes only those who are elected. It makes the Bible not true. And nothing in the Bible is false. Every word, every scripture, every 
uh, story, every account in the Bible is true. And we must take it that way. Who's another one is it written to? Well, if it's written to the lost, then it's written to the unbelieving. John 20, verse 31 says, But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. John's main purpose, while maybe multifaceted, is to share this good news with the lost so that they will become and have a working, true knowledge of who Christ is. Well, but who's something else that John writ, wrote this book to? It's written to the new believers. Keep in mind, 80 to 95 AD, this faith is still fairly new. The new covenant of Christ being born of a virgin, being perfect, sinless, but yet having to hang on that cross and be sacrificed when he had no guilt. The only, he was an unblemished lamb, and he had to be sacrificed for our sins. This new covenant, it's a new thought. We had the Old Testament, and they were in, in the Jews, and everybody was kind of used to dealing with the law and this strict adherence to the law. But now Christ taught us about grace, and it's new. So John is written to new believers. John chapter 15, verse 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Keep in mind that these new believers, these new Christians, were being persecuted because of their faith. You know, they were having to move away from Jerusalem, even outside of, 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 of Israel. They had to uh, go to places to kind of get away from the persecution. So John is saying that you might have joy and that it might remain in you and be full. Who else is John written to? Well, it's kind of written to the philosopher. You look at John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, I think we could teach probably on that verse alone for multiple weeks. There's so much information there that just is impossible, frankly, as human beings to wrap our heads around what, what uh, God is trying to tell us there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, just sit and, and marinate, as I like to say, on that verse alone and let God speak to you. Man, there's, there's just a, a, a power that comes just in that verse. It's also written to theologians. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 14 say this, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So what's the purpose of John? The purpose of John is, well, evangelical. If John was written to unbelievers and written to um, those that just didn't know Christ, well, his purpose is evangelical. He wants to get the good news out there about who Christ really is. John chapter 20, verse 31 says this, But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Another purpose might be apologetic. Apologetic being um, to be able to give an answer for your faith. Uh, many of us from time to time get challenged for our faith. Um, I was asked just this morning when I was talking to somebody about faith. Well, if Adam and Eve were created by God and they were the first two human beings, then who did Abel and Cain marry? Okay, these kind of questions um, are intended to try to trick you up, try intended to try and divert you from the real message. Uh, my answer was, well, of course they married their wives, um, which got a laugh and we move on. But um, you get challenged for your faith. Well, John is apologetic. It's made to answer those challenges. John's written to refute almost any heresy that might arise in any generation. John is going to emphasize to us Christ's deity. That is the fact that Jesus is God. Many people will say that nowhere in the Bible does Jesus acknowledge being God. Well, let me tell you, right up front before we get into too many lessons, that is just false. Many times in the Bible, Jesus talks about being um, God. And we're going to see that in subsequent lessons. It also refutes the heresy that might arise in regards to those who continue to look for a human Messiah and an earthly utopia. If you are continuing to look for a Messiah, you've missed the birth, life, and death of the Messiah. You need to study this. You can't, we can't have it both ways. There's not multiple Messiahs. Christ was born. He is the Messiah. He is God. Now, one of the points that get made from time to time is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give some sort of genealogical account of Jesus's uh, family. Of course, they say, well, Matthew is different than Mark. Well, there's a reason for that. And if we get God willing into studying those books, we'll go over that. But why no genealogy in John? Well, there's a simple answer for it. There's no genealogy in John. Why? Because God needs none. He's God. He was here before. He was here at creation. He will be here throughout and for eternity future. He will always be here. He requires no genealogy. So who is this, this, this 
We read earlier, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, God is eternal. I've already made that point, but let me park here for just a second. God will always be. You and I were born of flesh. We all are appointed a time to die. Now, in today's society, we're not used to death. Uh, as a 20-year as a veteran police officer, I've been around death. Those that grew up in other generations were familiar with death as well. Uh, they were familiar with birth. Children were born in the home. People died in their homes. Nowadays, where do people die? And that's the hospital. And it's sanitary. It's, it's, we're segmented away from death. And so we don't fully kind of wrap our heads around it. And we struggle with the concept of death. God is eternal. He has always been here and he always will be here. Well, the second point I want to make is the eternal word existed in intimate union with God. The, the eternal word here, Christ, is existed in intimate union with God. We can see this back in the, in the creation account in Genesis. Man was made after the, after the image of us, it says. Well, who's us? Are there three gods? No, there's not three gods. There's one God, but in three forms. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God. They are individual persons. They are individual beings. They are individual spirits, but they are all God. It's a concept that, while true, and I believe it to my core, shakes the foundation of my brain that I cannot just, I can't comprehend it. And, but, and, and then and that's normal. If I understood it and comprehended it, well, I'd be God. And let me tell you, I'm not. It is a, it's phenomenal thought and a phenomenal truth. But God and Jesus existed in intimate union with each other. Well, who else? What another truth about the Word? Well, the Word being Jesus, He's God. We've kind of mentioned this already. Christ is God. We'll go through, as we go through John, we'll see many stories and accounts, and we're going to keep emphasizing this point. Christ is God. He is the creator of all things. If Christ is God, then he was here at the creation. He breathed life. He spoke life. He spoke and things were created. Again, just a phenomenal thought. God is self-existent. He doesn't, he doesn't need anything else he doesn't need us to exist. He doesn't need any other thing to exist. He doesn't need the earth to exist. He doesn't need this universe to exist. God exists whether any of this is here or not. God is not dependent on anything. He is a sovereign, holy God that we worship because he deserves it. 
The life of the word is the light of man, is another point. If you look in our scripture reading in the first five chapters of John, we read, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light is constantly used in the Bible as a way, as a, as a warmth as a uh, symbolic gesture of who God is. He, the life of the word is the light of men. The word as the true or real light shineth in darkness. You notice in Genesis, darkness and light were created separately. They don't coexist. Did you know there's actually no such thing as dark? There's light. And light is a substance. It has mass. It has molecules to it. Light is a substance that can be studied. Darkness is not. Darkness, all darkness is, is the absence of light. The and. Spiritually speaking, how true is that? If we live in darkness, it's only because that we lack Christ in our lives. Thus, we have the absence of life. So, we spoke about uh, God and that He is eternal. He's the eternal, that this eternal word existed in intimate union with God during the creation. We said that he is God. He is deity. This isn't up for debate. He is God. If he's not God, then he's just some lunatic out there spouting off and, and performing magic tricks. Well, these weren't magic tricks. They weren't sleight of hands. They were miracles from God. God dwelt among us. That, sh that one phrase should just prick your heart and make you just amazed at that concept. God bankrupted heaven, but yet came down to this place, took on fleshly form, experienced everything that man did, and then got blamed for all of our sin, past, present, and future, crucified on the cross, but yet still loves us. That's just an amazing, loving thought. He's the creator of all things. He was self-existent. He doesn't require or, or need anything to exist. And he is the real light. He shineth in darkness. There's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is just the absence of Christ. Now, as we go in and we continue these lessons, we're going to, some lessons will take longer, some may be a little bit shorter, but we'll look at, uh, during our next course, continuing verses in John. Please continue to read through John, so as we go through it, you'll understand some contexts. If you have a question, feel free to email or post a, a uh, voice chat with it, and I'll be sure that I study and address that message during future podcasts. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let me know so we can continue to pray for you as a group and as a family.
I encourage you to please follow this podcast, share it with your friends. I acknowledge this is new. This is new to me. I have a passion for it. We're going to continue doing this. And I acknowledge that as a new podcaster, it may not be the smoothest transition. But the lessons that we're teaching here are life-changing. It's about God, and it's about His relationship with us. I encourage you, to again, to follow. I encourage you to uh, rate, give it five stars on iTunes when we show up there, if you obtain it from there. Share it with your friends and family. Um, share it with whoever you can. This, these truths are for everyone. Remember, John 3.16, whosoever. Well, that includes everyone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together today. I apologize, Lord, if, if I'm coming off kind of broken at this point because of being maybe slightly nervous doing a new podcast, but my heart's in the right place, our intent is in the right place, and, and over time we're going we're gonna to figure all this out and it's going to just give you uh, much glory. We pray for everyone that listens that they will learn something from these lessons. That if they learn something, they can share it with us. If they have a question from something that was said, Lord, that they ask that question, seek clarification on it, so that we can be sure as we move forward we're all working from the same page. And then, more importantly, Lord, we just continue to pray that you will... uh, Forgive us of all of our sin, Lord, and that we would just get to know you better through this process. And by getting to know you better, we understand your love, your deep, deep love for us. And that we can take that and serve you in our local churches. That we will share the gospel to our friends, family, and and strangers. And that we will continue to love you. We pray all this in the holy and precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ.